Hello and welcome to the History of Podcast, Episode 6. I am Steve, your host, and I will fill in the blank each episode with an interesting topic. Before I get to today's topic, I wanted to thank everyone for listening to previous episodes and for checking it out again this week. If you're listening on a platform that gives you the option to rate, review, or make comments, please take a moment to do any or all of those. It'd be greatly appreciated. So, this time, we're going to follow part two of the American Revolution. We laughed off last time with T-Act and the Stamp Act and Coercive Acts, all working to regulate or tax the colonies, and finally with the naming of George Washington as the Commander-in-Chief of the Continental Army. So now, as 1776 opened, popular sentiment wavered between calling for independence or calling for loyalty to the crown. And then in January, Thomas Paine published his pamphlet, Common Sense. Common Sense was a rejection of monarchy as a form of government, Uh, Payne attacked King George III, calling him a royal brute and a hardened pharaoh who would slaughter innocent colonists. So could the British have done anything to keep the growing tensions with the North American colonies from boiling over? Many historians point out that the king could have just given the colonies representatives in parliament. That was really what they wanted more than anything else representatives who helped them with the taxes. So that's why the rallying cry of no taxation without representation is so important. Had the colonists had representatives in Parliament, we may not have gotten there. So Payne had urged Americans to reject British sovereignty and create an independent nation based upon the Republican principle that the government should be responsible to the will of the people. The will of the people. So then we have, in 1776, Thomas Jefferson, who was a leading thinker of the American Enlightenment, which was uh, an 18th century philosophical movement emphasizing reason, and its use to improve human condition. And like other members of educated elite in America and Western Europe, Jefferson embraced deism. Deus thought of God as a cosmic watchmaker who created the universe and then let it run according to natural laws. The term natural laws is important once we get to the Declaration of Independence. So Jefferson believed that natural laws regulate both the universe and human society. These natural laws can be discovered only by reason. For example, the laws of government would improve society and make progress and human happiness possible. So Jefferson opened the Declaration of Independence with compelling statements of principles and self-evident truths. Now, this was inspired by John Locke and his philosophy of natural rights. Jefferson asserted that governments derive their just powers from the consent of the governed, 
The governed are entitled to alter or abolish their ties to the government and denies them their unalienable rights to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. So Jefferson didn't base his argument on the narrow rights of Englishmen who had to work with the crown. Instead, he left a lasting impact on the conscience of the world by appealing to the laws of nature and nature's God. So the Declaration also contained specific issues against George III called grievances. The king's lengthy rep record of repeated injuries and usurpations forced the good people of these colonies to declare their independence from King George III in Great Britain. Okay, so the Battle of Saratoga. Now, I'm not going to concentrate too much on specific battles. Normally, I would have my students look at those in great detail on their own. But I will highlight some things here. So, during the first 18 months of the war, Washington's demoralized troops, because Washington was losing a lot, lost New York City and Philadelphia, and then had to suffer through a bitter winter that we were camped at Valley Forge. In July of 1777, a British force led by General Burgoyne began his campaign, which was designed to isolate New England and the Middle Atlantic colonies and thus cut the United States in two. American forces led by Horatio Gates and Benedict Arnold thwarted that British plan by forcing Burgoyne to surrender his 5,500 men at the Battle of Saratoga. The Battle of Saratoga marked a crucial turning point during the Revolutionary War. This victory helped revive the colonial cause and forced and France declared war on Great Britain and openly supported the American cause. France's involvement would prove to be crucial. So how did the French ally with the colonists? So on February of 1778, France signed a treaty which recognized the United States as a sovereign nation. This alliance provided the United States with a diplomatic, financial, and military support that they really, really needed. And France, well, it was a monarchy, an absolute monarchy, where the king had complete control. And they were absolutely not sympathetic to Republican values. But France was motivated by a desire to regain its prestige in Europe and avenge its loss to Great Britain in the Seven Years' War. Now remember the French and Indian War? Well, the French and Indian War was just another campaign of the Seven Years' War, except it was fought in the United States, or what would become the United States. So fearful of an American defeat, the French initially followed a cautious approach toward the rebellious colonies. They secretly provided military um, ammunition, firearms, and other supplies in order to help the colonists. Well, the new United States. The diplomacy of Benjamin Franklin was what was really crucial here. He captivated the court at Versailles and persuaded the French to support the American cause. And the American victory at Saratoga, which is why I chose that particular 
battle to talk about, convinced the French leaders that America could possibly defeat Britain. So the French alliance prevented any chance of the Americans reconciling with the British. And the French military and financial aid played a decisive role in enabling America to win the Revolutionary War. For example, American forces received vital French help during the Battle of Yorktown. So the British commanders underestimated the fighting ability of American soldiers. They also failed to have a coordinated military strategy. They kind of just went where they felt they were needed to go. And whenever they tried to have a coordinated military strategy, something kept that from happening. So the America, the Americans' vast size enabled its commanders to run a defensive war, which meant that they were able to trade space for time. Led by George Washington, Americans' military commanders proved to be resourceful and resilient. They were able to bounce back all the time from adversity, partly because of the personality of George Washington himself and partly because of the tenacity of the soldiers. But they also used guerrilla warfare and used tactics that the British were not able to understand. They had never run into this before. They were used to people standing there and just shooting at each other. But the Americans were, they would shoot and run, shoot and run and hide, shoot and run and hide again. And these guerrilla tactics frustrated the British very much. So the British government was confused, divided, and inept. So the French alliance provided to be indispensable, militarily, financially, and of course with diplomatic support. Because if the French, a very powerful country at the time, recognizing the United States as a country, that was a big deal to the rest of the world. So the dispute with Great Britain over economic policies was what exposed irreconcilable political differences. And America lacked a monarchy or hereditary aristocracy. Instead, they were fighting for... Uh, Instead of fighting for the crown, American soldiers fought for the Republican ideals. John Adams later noted that the revolution was effected before the war commenced. The revolution was in the minds and hearts of the people. So the French and American alliance influenced Great Britain to offer generous peace terms. And generous indeed. So the Treaty of Paris of 1783 recognized the independence of the United States. The treaty recognized American sovereignty over territories extending from the Mississippi River on the west to the Great Lakes on the north and Spanish Florida to the south. America pledged to compensate loyalists whose lands had been confiscated by state governments. Loyalists were those loyal to the British crown. And there you have it, the birth of the United States and the revolution that made it happen. Thank you once again for joining me on the History of Podcast. Before I sign off, just remember to make history every day. See you next time on the History of Podcast.